Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Marjorie Punnett. I'm Elizabeth Reese. This is episode 97 of Best of the Nest, the podcast that's all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. And today, it's all about Megxit right now. Megxit. Everyone is talking about Megxit. Yeah, and I think it's been really interesting for me this week to just let all of it soak in. You know, the comedians were making fun of them, and all I kept thinking about is Megan with a young baby and Harry with a young baby and the need to create one's own nest. And that's what this is about to me. All the other stuff aside is how do you do that? But first of all, let's talk a little bit about Harry and Megan. Yeah, you're right. It's about leaving your family of origin and sort of setting yeah. up boundaries with your family of origin. And I have to say, Marjorie, I love that we're talking about this because this gives me such just fond memories of our radio show that we would do together from nine to noon on my talk one Oh seven one, the Marjorie and Elizabeth show. It was a hit show. If I do say so myself and <laughs> what we would do was talk about things that were going on in like celebrity news and pop culture. And if you're familiar with the radio station, that's the theme of the radio station. But something I was really proud of that you and I did a lot was we really tried to relate those celebrity topics to real life because celebrities are just people living on a larger scale than everybody else. But it's the same stuff, right? It's the same human experience. It just depends on what scale you're living. So Harry and Meghan, who of course are Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, they got married. Meghan is an American actress who it was a big scandal when Harry decided to marry her because she's divorced. And then the people of the UK have not been very welcoming to the fact that Meghan is biracial. That's yeah. been a big issue. They've been in And I think big... we have to say here, not the people of the UK. I think that's almost too pe- I think that's too pejorative because I think much of the public has been it's been a non-issue as it should be a non-issue. She's just Megan. But it's well, the it's the British press and some people. I it's the press and some people. Say, no, I yeah. get that, but it has been it's been a big issue and when you read comments yeah. on a lot of it's the awful. like I've read a lot of the people's comments on on the press where you can read like yeah. a comment section. I mean, it really is It's not showing their best side. And I'm not trying to say, like, the U.K. has a bigger racism problem than we do, because I certainly don't think that's the case, right? I mean, I think that's the issue. It's just in terms of what the royal family has been, Meghan Markle is not that. And so it has been just shocking. And It has been um, shocking. And it has been a lot of – there's been a lot of backlash. Harry – Prince Harry has had a long relationship with the press that has not been good. He – dislikes the press in the UK, particularly because he blames them for the death of his mother, which many people would say is justified. And so Harry and Meghan, (laughs) after having their baby Archie, decided that they are quitting the royal family, that they want to make their own living 
and they don't want to live full time in London or in England and they want to be able to go wherever and they don't want to have the types of demands and things that they have to give to the public based on being a royal. So there they go. And so this news was leaked early. They had a website set up. They had everything ready to go. And then they were sort of forced to announce it early on an Instagram post, with which shocked the entire royal family because the queen, William and Kate, Prince Charles didn't know that this was coming. And so they had to have an emergency family summit. I think the family had obvious inklings that they were unhappy. But the way that Meghan and Harry released the news that they were separating from the family business, which is essentially what they're trying to do. They're, they're not saying, I hate you all, we're leaving. They're trying to extricate themselves from the family business. And what I think is important is that their hand was forced, so they had to do it because the press was about to leak it. But they were also ready. And I think in a way what that speaks to is Harry's knowledge of the bureaucracy of his own family business and how difficult it would be. And by releasing it and then negotiating after I think it actually gave Meghan and Harry the upper hand. And if he learned any lesson from his mother's battles with the palace bureaucracy, that was probably it. Is their control, not just the queens, but the people who take care of the queen, the government within the government of the royalty is very powerful. And I think that was... I don't, I have no idea whether that was their strategy all along, but I think in a way, having released it the way that they did gave them the upper hand. And so the summit, they had the summit this week, and I was, I want to read the Queen's statement because I think that's a great jumping off point for they're just a family. The Queen wrote, Today my family had a very constructive, very constructive discussions on the future of my grandson and his family. My family and I are entirely supportive of Harry and Meghan's desire to create a new life as a young family. Although we would have preferred them to remain full-time working members of the royal family, we respect and understand their wish to live a more independent life as a family while remaining a valued part of my family. A lot of Harry family. And Meghan. That word family was used, I think, ding, 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 20 times. Sorry, Marjorie, continue. <laughs> no, but that's that's where we'll start. She goes on to say, Harry and Meghan have made clear that they do not want to be reliant on public funds in their new lives. It has therefore been agreed that there will be a period of transition in which the Sussexes will spend time in Canada and the UK. These are complex matters for my family to resolve, and there is some more work to be done, but I have asked for final decisions to be reached in the coming days. You're exactly right. She used, I think she used the word family eight times. And, and, and I love that because really, as I read into it, it's everybody back off. We've got this. We'll figure this out. It's our business. And sometimes, you know what? Even with celebrities, even with royalty, it gets to be their business and they're sorting through it. It is an interesting thought though of how you, dis- once you marry someone, and then you have a child with them. I mean, that that period of transition, I think, is difficult for a lot of families as you sort mm-hmm. of navigate that that young person isn't a sole member of your immediate family anymore, right? And I remember this even like when my sister got married. That time period of change is, is interesting. My younger sister got married before I did, and right. she married her high school sweetheart. I mean, she and Adam had been together 
She was 15 and he was 16 when they went out on oh their first date. Oh, my goodness. Day. They've been together forever. And so Adam was always kind of part of our family because he was always around. Right. And I went to college with him, too, and my sister. And so <laughs> we were all very, very close. But it was an interesting dynamic when they got married how it became that she was just a just sort of a shocking thing that, oh, my gosh, Katie is part of another family, too, now. Right. And, right. and there can be an immediate, when you even say that at the very beginning, there's an immediate, like, defensive reaction of, no, 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 that's mine, right? Right, 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 right. I think so many of us sort of get into that where when you, when you're with your family of origin and then you sort of welcome in another family because of your relationship, the boundaries get fascinating. And I know from many therapy sessions that your family of origin and the dynamic within that family is so important and so influential in terms of how you then create your new family. And no one's family of origin is the same. So you find out when you get married, like, oh my gosh, you were raised like that? Well, that I was exactly. Exactly. And it, and it requires a negotiation between the new couple on what things they'll bring from their own family of origins to create their own family. Now that's, that's the ideal version. That's the healthiest version of a new young family. What we do need to talk about sometimes is when you're creating your own family and your family of origin is not healthy or there are really destructive behaviors going on. How do you extricate yourself from those destructive behaviors so that they don't so that they're not repeated within your own family? And I think that's a really tricky thing. I mean, if we're talking about abuse or we're talking about alcoholism or we're talking about, you know, emotional or physical abuse, all sorts of things, manipulation, those kinds of things. So many times I think young families just import all of that destructive behavior right into their new family. And that's what has been really, for me, watching Megan and Harry, and I am not even supposing to know what's going on in their life. But when I suppose I know, I think about, are they talking about what they want for Archie? Are they talking about, is Harry talking about how much he disliked growing up being photographed all the time. Right. Because they wouldn't let Archie be photographed right after the birth. They Mm -hmm. waited. They had their moment as a family. So all of those things, like you said earlier, they're celebrities. Their issues might be more public, but their issues are the same. If you just take it to a sort of micro level, when you have a new baby, how much do you want to nest with your own child and your own husband before the rest of the family sort of jumps into your life? How much advice do you want about how you're going to raise that child, particularly if you disagree with how you were raised, which is okay. But those are the issues that I think many people have to sort through. And if you came from a very dysfunctional family, it's absolutely necessary that you sort through that unless you want to repeat those patterns. But you don't have to. No, I think you're right. I think establishing your own boundaries is number one. I mean, we talk a lot with experts on this podcast and so much of the trend is you have to figure out who you are before you can figure out who you are with other people. So if you... I mean, I think having those conversations and really understanding, I remember thinking a lot about like these boundaries before I had Bernie, my five-year-old. She's five. I um, (laughs) had, I remember thinking like, okay, I don't want anyone else in the delivery room, but my 
husband, but I do then want my family to be able to come to the hospital. And then I do remember feeling really overwhelmed by Jay's family coming to the hospital, which made me feel bad because it's like, well, this baby is just as much their baby as my family's baby. But it was sort of like, I was so vulnerable. I don't know them as well as my know my other family. And now we've been married for years. And I think, well, of course, I don't have any... I don't, I'm so much more comfortable with them just as every year that has gone on. But you have to communicate that stuff too. I mean, so much of the key of it is communication of this is what isn't going to work for us and this is what is going to work for us. To work. And And I think the birth of Archie was totally the turning point for him. I, I do not think he wants to owe the British press anything when it comes to his son. And can and you that imagine? Was number one. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine? I was watching a doc about Diana's death, his mother's death, and went into great detail about the twenty-four hours after she died and how the royal family, and in particular the Queen, handled the boys. Yes, and it was quite. It was quite sweet and very loving, and the British press was brutal with the fact that the Queen wasn't coming right back to Buckingham Palace. And according to this documentary, what they were saying is she was secluded with the boys and was trying to help them. And so, so many members of that family have times when the things have been demanded of them beyond what obviously what would be demanded of a normal family in times of happiness or in times of grief. And I think if I were the Queen... I would look at Harry and and they've the press has sort of made out so who knows if it's true or not that there's always been sort of a a very sweet relationship between Harry and the Queen. Mm-hmm. If I were the Queen, I would be like, dude, go find your bliss. <laughs> you know, you go be you. You've you've done your duty for the royal family. You've done well, everything we've asked of you. If you've watched The Crown, which I love The Crown, I'm a few episodes into the third season of The Crown. I haven't watched the whole third season because I just want to savor every minute of it. Like it's a little scone with clotted cream. I just don't want to eat it too fast. (laughs) I I think the queen has really learned what happens when you force members of the royal family to do what they don't really want to do. It just doesn't end well. It's damaging to their relationship. And I don't know if she wants to damage any more relationships. I mean, look what happened with her sister. Her sister, her son. I mean, the whole Charles Camilla debacle. I mean, it just goes on and on. So, But in speaking of our own families, when I had young children, I was not, for most of my children's life, we were not living around my immediate family. And when I first got married... In a way, it was hard, but I think it was really by necessity, Ian and I forged a very strong relationship just with one another solely because our families weren't around. Right. And that was, there was something really special about that. And I think I, I'm aware, I'm self aware enough to know that we also sacrificed because I wasn't around my sisters and he wasn't around his brothers. So there's a certain amount of sacrifice in that as well. But for us, we were really able to determine who we were going to be as a as a familial unit without much interference and and i was always grateful for that you were older when you had bernie so i think when yeah. you were talking Practically about boundaries yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I think you were really well prepared to know what your boundaries were going to be for your own family. And I think that's what we're seeing also with Harry and Meghan. She's yeah. what, 36 or 37? And she's 38. She's, yeah, she's, she's oh, my she's age. 38. Yeah. So she, she, and she's been quite independent and quite successful. She knows how to determine boundaries. But I think well, even yeah, for and- younger, younger families, you've got to think about that. That's true. And, you know, and I have a public job, so I think about boundaries a lot because I mm-hmm. have to think about boundaries a lot. And I know you understand this, too, from uh, yeah. having a public job for many, many years in terms of your family, that boundaries are an important thing that you have to think about in order. It's it's really a self-preservation because you just can't have a public job and just not have – not be – thoughtful in terms of what you're allowing out there and what you're allowing in. I kind of think of like our house as having like a little force field around it where, you know, I'm just conscious of like what's coming in and what's going out and and how I'm relating to that. And so, so that's important, but I think everybody can do that. I mean, you have to just examine what works for you and what doesn't. But that being said, when it comes to actually instituting those boundaries, it's really hard. I mean, I have friends who, for example, one friend whose in-laws all smoke in their homes. So in their homes, they smoke. And that is like standard operating procedure. And that's totally acceptable for this family. And that works for that family. Well, for her family and for her, that doesn't work. And the idea of bringing her children into that environment doesn't work. And so it's a very big struggle because every time there's like a family gathering, She's just bracing for having to sit and smoke and have Ugh. her children exposed to smoke for hours and hours. And, and you know, it sounds like a little thing, but it's a big thing because then imagine the stress level of going into that family when you're automatically just like, oh, I can't believe I have to do this. And I'm putting my child in a situation that I don't really want to put my child in, but I have to because it's family. That stuff gets tough. That gets, and I think sometimes, and I'm not saying she should extricate herself from family or sever all ties from her family, but sometimes those sorts of things indicate other issues as well that aren't being negotiated and compromised over. And she has worked a lot on negotiating in her relationship their own boundaries, having to work with her husband to say, here, what are our boundaries going to be? How can yeah. we have boundaries with both of our families so yep. that it feels like the right thing for us? And so they go to fewer events and they offer to host more events at their house. There you go. And, there and you go. so part, but you've got to be on the same team within your little unit to make that stuff happen. And that's what I think that's what we're really seeing with Megan and Harry is they, they have their team. And they're and they're deciding their own rules about how they're going to go forward. And I'm I actually I I'm I'm looking at them with great joy because I think they're modeling really healthy behavior. I hope so. Anyway, I hope that's yeah, what it's about. I think so, so too. I mean, I think it would probably be a little bit better to tell your family first versus putting it out on Instagram <laughs> first. You know, I think in general we could just make a general conversation that if you have some sort of large announcement that impacts other people that maybe actually letting them know in person first is better than posting on Instagram first, but I also I understand the motivation behind that, but I also right. think there could have maybe been like a personal note sent by carrier pigeon to Charles and the queen that just said, Hey, we're really sorry that this is the way this is happening, but here's the news. 
<laughs> so get ready. Communication is key, right? It is there key. You go. But we wish the best for Harry and Megan and yes, um, Archie. And uh, listen, come to Minnesota. We'll welcome you with open arms. That's right. And quite frankly, I don't care if I don't see a picture of Archie till he's 21. You go have your life. Go have your life. If you're enjoying yes. this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review at Apple Podcasts from Gracie this morning. I'm a new mom and it's so great to listen to their words of wisdom. We hope. We hope sometimes. <laughs> so lucky to have this to help me navigate motherhood. Well, that oh. is our hope. Thank you, Gracie, 100%. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best to the Nest or go to besttothenest.com to subscribe to our upcoming newsletter. Best to the Nest is the podcast that brings you home. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.